On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. As we've been remarking already on the programme, this week marks the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That, of course, is an invasion that Russia persistently denied that it was planning until it went ahead and did it anyway. Um, interesting time, therefore, to speak to my next guest. Uh, you may have seen some of her recent work on BBC Two, a documentary series charting the many ages of Vladimir Putin, uh, someone who once upon a time pointedly refused to ever get involved in the running of another country. Uh, the series was called Putin versus the West. Its producer is Norma Percy, who is with us now. Norma, thank you for joining us. Um, this was a project, obviously it's become very timely, but this is a project that you were working on for a few months before the war began. Yes, the BBC asked us to go back to a series about Putin's Russia that we made in 2012 called Putin, Russia and the West, uh, which told the story of from him when he took office to then. Uh, and it was, a, it was a very successful series. We, it was a time of cooperation between Russia and the West, and we got excellent cooperation from the Kremlin, and we got into interviews virtually everyone we wanted, and both on the American side, Condoleezza Rice particularly, and with Putin's men. Uh, so when the BBC asked me, I was, uh, I was puzzled. I mean, I said, no way in the last 10 years since we made this series, relations have deteriorated and it's become much more difficult for journalists to work in Russia, particularly a Russian journalist. And the people that we worked with before have fled to Devon, and uh, it just I couldn't make the same series again. But the BBC said, said, no, that's not what we want. We want dealing with Putin. We want the, how the big Western leaders, the presidents and prime ministers in the West for the last 10 years have dealt with Putin, how well, he was in fact one of their worst headaches. And there was real arguments between whether one should try and make friends with him to de-ice Putin or whether they should slap on sanctions and be tough with him. Mm. And so you, you get some interesting stories. Yeah. So we started work a, a little bit reluctantly, but when you're an independent producer and the BBC asks you to do something, you, you take it seriously. Mm. And we started work, but I must admit when I told people what I was working on, there were... A little bit. Well, yes, that's very nice. Nice weather we've been having. But then six <laughs> months later, uh, then Putin invaded, and suddenly oh, it became well more important, more urgent to make the series. But a lot mm. older. Did you did you find at that time that people who may have been unwilling to speak to you originally then suddenly were more really willing to talk to you because they sort of felt like they were now more invested in telling their side well, of the story. And in fact, at first it became much harder. They thought, well, you know, this isn't the right time to be telling war stories. I mean, we're in the middle of it. We want to fight a war. Um, and, you know, wait until the dust settles before we're ready to talk about it. But when it seemed like the war wasn't going to go away, as it got Closer to now, to the to the one year into the invasion, um, suddenly you know people realised that they had to tell their story, mm. and and we finally got some of the the serious players. 
Mm. Um, I didn't realise that this was effectively a revisiting of something that you'd done back in 2012, but I'm not surprised in a way because one of the things that's most striking about the footage that you see uh, in your more recent series is Vladimir Putin visiting Downing Street in the midst of the London Olympic Games, talking about the preparations for Sochi and everything. And it's very jarring now to see all that footage back because things seemed on the face of it to be so convivial and friendly. Um, in your First of all, is that a fair reflection in your mind? And secondly, do you think that there was a time or what would you identify as the tipping point where that relationship changed irrevocably? Sure. Well, certainly, and this is something I didn't know until I started working on the series, David Cameron spent the first three years of his premiership one thinks of David Cameron's foreign policy being joined in Europe and uh, having the referendum. Mm. But in, in fact, before that, uh, he concentrated very much on making friends with Putin. And he told us the story, he tells a bit of it in his memoirs, but he told it to us off the record um, very well in the early stages before the war started. Um, and then I mean, this is this is a, a really interesting story, and he tells it very well. But by the time it was time to film, the invasion had happened, and I was very worried that he put a different spin on it. And I I think it's to his credit that he told the story straight in the same way. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think then, do you think he felt he, betrayed, or do you think that he felt like he was he was shown the wrong side of Putin, or do you think that no, things I were materially he, he he made a good try. Uh, and there were some wonderful moments. I mean, he came, he came to London and sat next to uh, Putin at the Olympics at the judo, mm. and Putin watched his great hero, the Russian judo champion, win. And, and Putin, I mean, he was really extraordinary. He was like a, a shy boy. He, David Cameron had to sort of push him to go and congratulate him when he won. And the, and the high point of this bromance is that um, in return, Putin hosted David Cameron at the site of the Sochi Winter Olympics. And uh, um, at one point, Putin just virtually picked up David Cameron, pushed him into a jeep, drove him to a helicopter, put him into the helicopter, and flew off Putin the pilot in his aviator shades to inspect the site of the Winter Olympics. And we were told the story by his aide, who was standing there thinking that perhaps Putin had gone mad and kidnapped David Cameron. <laughs> and they were really quite worried until they had landed safely. And I mean, they, they were chums yeah. in those times. But the program, the second episode of the series, shows the point it went wrong, yeah. which was when uh, President Assad, who was uh, Putin's clients in Syria, in the Middle East, um, when he used chemical weapons. And there was obvious evidence that Assad had used chemical weapons. And uh, you know, Putin, as David Cameron said, who had been seeing the same evidence that he had, yeah. just refused to admit it. And, and that's kind of when 
the yeah. um, Cameron's Sure. Um, I'd like to play a clip from the series, actually. I'm sort of struck by the, the slight um, poetic fallacy of the dog barking in the, in the distance over your shoulder, because in, in a way, actually, that, that's a very poetic allegory for what we're about to play. Um, I want to play a clip um, that you've had uh, in the uh, in your series. It's an interview with uh, Ben Wallace, who's the, the British Minister of Defence. And he's talking about a trip to Moscow a couple of weeks before the invasion, where he's trying to convince Russia not to go through with its uh, planned invasion of Ukraine. And he ends with some interesting thoughts about the Russians and, and he has a word for them lying almost as a show of strength. Let's take a listen. So the assumptions that they had made were the Ukrainians won't fight, the Russian armed forces are close to invincible, that the international community will fracture, uh, and in fact that the Ukrainians will welcome them. And I remember saying to Minister Shoigu that they will fight, and he said, my mother's Ukrainian, they, you know, they won't. Uh, he also said he had no intention of invading. Uh, I think that would be Vranyu in the uh, Russian uh, language. Vranyu, I think, is a sort of demonstration of bullying or strength, which is, I'm going to lie to you, you know I'm lying, I know you know I'm lying, and I'm still going to lie to you. He knew. He knew I knew, and I knew he knew. But I think it was about saying, I'm powerful. Uh, that's Ben Wallace, uh, the British Ministry uh, Minister for the Vents, speaking to you uh, in the course of this this interview series, uh, Putin versus the West. Um, it, it is quite striking. Now, maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's very striking when you hear him say, with hindsight, like, "Well, everyone knew that what we were being told was lies, but that they were going to go through with it anyway." Do you, do you get the impression at some level that Russia did think that Ukraine just simply might topple over and roll out the red carpet and reluctantly welcome these people in, and there would be no real conflict? Yeah. They- uh, I think Ben Wallace felt that, that in their mind was man yet made up, and they were probably they were going ahead with it. Although everyone in NATO said, no matter what they felt, they were going to try and try to to the very last moment to try and stop them. But they, the Russians, certainly didn't expect to get the strength of opposition that they got. Yeah, the Ukrainians. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the people that you speak with um, in the documentary series is uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Um, I, I won't um, bore listeners too much by asking exactly how you managed to arrange that, because I'm sure the logistics of all of that are, are interesting, but often maybe kind of dreary or laborious. <sighs> what, what I wonder is uh, the, the impression that you got from him as to the strength of their resolve. Uh, well, first of all, he was the person that kind of changed the last program. I mean, we, he, he was the one who had, could say, say with the most justification he was fighting a war and didn't really have time to talk to mm. us. And he agreed in principle to take part, but it kept being not the right time. And then finally he did say yes. And the interview transformed the last program. I, think. I, I was afraid he would kind of be give us sort of propaganda mm. uh, because he was fighting a war and you can't talk frankly, but but he was completely natural uh, and like talked to us as if he was talking to a friend and explaining how how he felt at particular moments and uh, I, I think he came over extremely well and when he the, the the series ends with the night of the Russian invasion, where he's woken up in the middle of the night and he talks to his wife, and she uh, they, she says, "How do we tell the children?" And he said, "Just you know, tell them to it straight." 
Mm. They've got to know like all of us. Every time I hear it, my eyes get a bit wet. I yeah. mean, he he does um, come over as a, a, a person that you would you would fight a war for. Mm. So. Uh, final question for you, Norma, uh, and thank you again for your time this lunchtime. Um, having charted the whole progression of Putin, and particularly, I guess, having done it twice uh, back in 2012 when things were a bit friendlier, and now having put together this this uh, review of Putin's worldview, um, in a way, do you ever foresee Vladimir Putin handing over the reins in any kind of orderly way? Because the the, the impression you get from the documentary is is one of a man who has now grown increasingly comfortable with the level of power that he wields and the clout that he shows and it's someone who would be very reluctant to ever hand it over in any kind of organised, orderly way. Um, <laughs> you know, there's certain things you can see on what he did in the last 10 years. You can, you can see, for example, that Putin feels differently about the Ukraine but than he does about the rest. Putin feels differently about Ukraine mm. than he does about the rest of the former Soviet Union. I mean, Bulgaria could go to the West, no problem. The Baltic states could go to the West, no problem. But Ukraine is Russia, and they were—they're never going to leave the Russian orbit. And so, this series begins when Ukraine seems to be about to take the first steps to join the EU, mm. and at that point, Putin strengthens his resolve and seems to after that it's inevitable mm. that he goes step by step to the invasion but yeah. what's going to happen afterwards how the war is going to end i mean your guess is as good as mine indeed indeed and we can all look at what he's done before and have our speculations well that's what our programs try and do we try and yeah. put you inside the room when the big decisions are made and let you make up your mind yourself. Well, it, it certainly does feel like it achieved that because it's a fabulous series and it's worth checking out for viewers anywhere that they can get their hands on it. Uh, Putin versus the West is the name of the series. Just finished broadcasting at BBC Two and its producer is Norma Percy. Norma, thank you so much for joining us this lunchtime on The Record and News Talk. On The Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.